Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. I love sharing my favorite products with y'all, and right now I want to tell you about my favorite cleaning product. We try to be very mindful about the products that we bring into our house, especially now that we have kids. We love Branch Basics because it's a non-toxic, fragrance-free, just generally human-safe product that you can use for all of your cleaning needs. Literally, we use it for everything in our house, plus we use it for hand wash and for laundry, which makes it super cost-effective. Go to branchbasics.com and you can use the code TaylorKulik to save 10% off of the starter kits. Hey guys, hope you all are doing well. Today, I want to talk about two separate topics. The first one being teething, um, because that is something I'm currently going through and I get asked questions all the time about teething tips. So we're going to chat about teething and then we're going to chat about the upcoming time change. So um, if you are going to experience an out, a, a leap forward, a time change forward, I know not everybody in the world um does that, has a time change. But if you are, this segment is for you. So I am currently um, going through a period of teething with my son, my baby, who is almost 10 months old. And so um, it is fresh on my mind. And I want to share some tips with you guys because I get asked about what to do when baby is teething all the time, how to make it um, a bit easier and more manageable. And so usually um, teething starts between four and seven months, but it could be earlier or later for some babies. And all babies are different. So my daughter um, did not get her first tooth until she was 10 months old. And my son got his first tooth when he was six months old. So a big difference there, even in siblings. So what to do about teething? So first of all, let's talk about what are some of the signs of teething? How do you even know when your babies are teething? A lot of people equate starting to drool with teething, um, but that's not always the case because it's just typical. It's developmentally normal for babies to have increased drool um, when they're pretty young, so three, four months, something like that. But that doesn't always mean that they're going to start teething soon. Um, so my daughter was very drooly um, starting at around three months. We had we went through you know 10 bibs a day, 10 drool bibs a day. Um, but again, she didn't get her first tooth until she was 10 months, not 10 years old, 10 months old. So drooling can be a sign of teething, but it's not always a sign of teething. Similarly, putting things into the mouth. So babies that bring stuff to the mouth, chew on everything, that can be a sign of teething because babies like to bring things to their mouth. They like to chew on things as that can resolve some of the pain that they're experiencing. But 
Again, this is also a very developmentally normal behavior. That is how babies learn about their surroundings and learn about objects is through their mouth. And so it's normal for your baby to bring things to the mouth, their mouth and chew on things, and that is not necessarily a sign of teething. Um, so when your baby is teething, what you will probably first start to notice is some swollen gums. So you'll see the gums around the teeth swell up. And usually for most babies, they get their bottom two teeth first, followed by their top um, two to four teeth. The, the top four teeth usually come up after the bottom two teeth. So if you look at the gums, you'll start to see around those teething times, you'll start to see um the 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 gums right where the tooth will emerge they're swollen and that could last for weeks it could last for a month or two my son right now is getting his two uppers um his his two front teeth and he has had swollen gums that it looks like the, the tooth is going to poke through soon for almost two months so it's been a really long time of just waiting um for these teeth to come through so you'll start to see the swollen gums um, and then you'll soon be able to see that those teeth are kind of descending um, or ascending if you're talking about the bottom of the mouth. And so when you feel the gums, you'll start to maybe feel some bumps like they're going to emerge or poke through. So most babies start to experience the discomfort as the tooth is getting closer to um, breaking through the gum. And this could last for just a couple of days or for some babies, that fussiness, that discomfort, um, which also can lead to sleep disturbances, can last for weeks. It really just depends on the baby. Some babies don't seem to be affected at all by teething, while other babies will be very, very affected. So all babies are different in that. So what can you do when your baby is experiencing discomfort from teething? So think about, again, you know, talking about chewing on things. So that pressure of chewing on things can really help take away some of that pain. And so um, give them some teethers, some silicone teethers. You can even put those teethers in the fridge. And so that cold can kind of also numb the area and help reduce pain as well. You can also get a washcloth wet and then freeze it. So again, it's just something nice and cold and hard to chew on to help with that pain. Nursing, if you are nursing, breastfeeding, breastfeeding is a pain reliever. So breastfeeding on demand, always we want to breastfeed on demand, especially for babies under 12 months old. But especially during periods of teething, you might expect that your baby just wants to nurse constantly. And this is normal because nursing is a form of comfort and it's a pain reliever. Um, and also if your baby is on solids already, you may find that during those periods of teething, when they're really uncomfortable, they may not be quite as interested in solids. And so they may be nursing even more um, because they're not eating solids and they just might want to nurse all the time, all day long, all night long. So in terms of sleep, what you can expect from a teething baby is that sleep might be interrupted. They might seem like they're in discomfort for most of the night. They may be more restless and more wakeful, maybe more hard to settle. 
So what I always say when it comes to sleep and teething is just to really try to let go of any expectations that you have for your baby in terms of sleep. Your child's sleep is likely going to be impacted at some point by teething. And that's very normal. And there's really not much we can do about it except for the things that we've already talked about in terms of keeping them comfortable. You know, if you choose to give them a pain reliever, you can talk to your doctor about that and do what you're comfortable with. Um, I personally don't give over the counter pain relievers um, if I can avoid it. What I do offer my child is. Earthly's, Earthly is a brand that I love um, and trust, and they have a product called Teeth Tamer. So it's an herbal product. It contains catnip and cloves, and that's what I have found has been really helpful for my kiddos when they're teething. So I'll drop some in the mouth, but I'll also just put some on a clean finger and rub it against the teeth that are coming in. So you can go to earthly.com. And use the code TAYLOR10 for 10% off your first order. But seriously, I love Earthly's Teeth Tamer. I'm putting in another order for some today because we have gone through it so fast in our house with these with this round of teething. It's so helpful. I'll keep it on the nightstand um, at night, and I use it at night too. Okay, but back to sleep. It's okay to offer your child more support than you typically would when they're going through something big like this. And especially with teething because they're uncomfortable, they're in pain. So if you have a baby that, you know, you did used to lay them down drowsy but awake and they would fall asleep independently. When they're teething, they may need you to support them to sleep. And that's not reflective of like moving backwards or losing progress. That's just you as the parent or the caregiver meeting your child's needs in this moment during this phase of life. And that doesn't mean that when they're done teething, they're never going to go back to falling asleep independently. They just need more support right now. And so it's okay for us to offer our child more support than we would typically give them. When they're having these periods of um, fussiness and discomfort during teething. So you you may um, you may find that it is more helpful to support your child all the way to sleep before you transfer them. Um, so if you weren't already doing that, so if you have a child that you've tried to lay down drowsy but awake, or just you know rock for a minute or two and then transfer them, you may find that it just works better when your child's teething to support them all the way to sleep and don't even worry about them putting themselves to sleep independently because like I know when I'm in pain, I have a lot harder of a time falling asleep. So you can just imagine that it might be the same for a baby. So what I have found with my children is that they need even more support to fall asleep. And I always support them to fall asleep because they're not kiddos. I've talked about this before. They're not kiddos that fall asleep by themselves. Um, but they need even more support. Like I have to stand and rock them until they're in a deep sleep and then I can lay them down. Um, and then I might need to you know, nurse them back to sleep. But so offering more support can be helpful. Um, and just again, letting go of expectations. Do not judge yourself, your parenting ability, or your child on these times. Um, we all have hard times, and so we can't expect any anything different from our children 
um, and it will pass. And so I know that it's so, so hard. There's not any like magical fixes, quick fixes. Um, unfortunately, I wish there were, there's things that can help. So applying pressure to the tooth, letting them, letting them chew on things that are hard or cold, um, using some sort of pain reliever, whether that's, um, like a pharmaceutical or an over-the-counter pain reliever, if that's something that you want to do, nursing on demand, those things can help. But at the end of the day, your baby's still going to be in discomfort at sometimes, and it's just something that you we we get through as parents, and it's really tough. And so this is when it's so helpful to enlist your village. If you do have people that help you, parents, family members, friends that can help, a partner. This is a time where you do need to ask for some help, maybe more help than normal. Um, It's so important to take care of ourselves so that we can provide the level of support to our children that they need. But it will pass. And, you know, for some kiddos, it takes a really long time. And for some kiddos, they get one tooth after the other and they're just getting all of these teeth back to back to back, which can feel impossible. So again, this is where you have to ask for help because we can't do it by ourselves. So we can't control our child's teething, right? That's something that we don't have control over. But what we do have some control over is changing our days, our routines, our patterns to support ourselves better so that we can support our child. So this might look like knowing or anticipating that hey, baby is teething. Baby had a rough night last night. Baby's fussy today. Baby might have a really rough night. So how about I go to bed earlier with baby? How about I, um, I, you know, go to bed, get ready for bed after dinner, and then just be ready for bed at least so that I can put baby to sleep. But then if they wake up, if they're more wakeful and restless and I really need to support them to sleep, I can already, I'm already ready for bed. So I can just go into the room and go to sleep without having to stress about then getting back up and getting ready for bed. So these little things can can help to make our lives a little bit easier and more manageable in these tough moments. Sleeping in, you know, can you talk to your partner and ask them if um, because we're anticipating a rough night, maybe they could go into work a little bit earlier and and give you the opportunity to sleep in a little bit? Um, or can you call somebody to come over in the morning to let you sleep in while they take care of your baby? So there's all different kinds of things you can think about. You know, maybe these are the moments where you really need those frozen meals planned, prepped in the freezer. Because cooking is just not going to happen because you have to hold your baby all day long. Or this is where you utilize baby wearing. Baby wants to be on you next to you all the time nursing. Can baby do that in the carrier? Can you put baby in the carrier and get some things around the house done? So letting go of expectations, not only around sleep, but just in general, just realizing that this is just a short phase. You'll have one just like it soon, um, but hopefully it's just a short phase for now and then things will kind of go back to normal, um, but managing expectations for that short phase. It's okay if you don't clean the house during these few rough days. It's okay if you aren't cooking you know, huge meals. It's okay. You can get back to those things once the teething is over. So all that to say, teething is tough. I know I'm here with you. 
there are no magic fixes, um, but I did want to give you just a few tips and also just let you know that you're not alone. Every baby teethes, every parent goes through teething. Some babies are more affected than others are, but we all go through it and it's tough and then we all get through it. All right, guys, let's move on to the time change. So talking about a few tips for dealing with the time change, especially regarding your child's sleep. So luckily, um, so we are approaching spring forward, which means we are pushing forward an hour. We are losing an hour, which is, you know, it kind of stinks because we end up usually losing an hour of sleep for a day. But the good news is that this time change is usually pretty straightforward and easier to navigate than the fallback time change where we gain an hour. So the first thing to think about is how old is your child and what is their temperament like? So there's a couple of ways that you can approach the time change. If your child is less than six months and especially if they're on three or more naps, I generally recommend just following their lead and continuing to follow their wake windows and their tired cues and not really worrying so much about the schedule um, and exactly what time they're going to sleep, what time they're waking up in the morning, what time they're taking naps, what time they're going to bed, etc. Usually it will just all kind of fall into place and it might look like that their schedule is um, an hour or so later during the day once we have that time change and that's okay and usually it'll all just kind of balance out but you know for those of you who know me you know that i don't love schedules for for kids i don't love strict schedules um but i do think that older babies and toddlers are often um they do really well on a loose flexible schedule but babies under six months or so sometimes even up to like eight months really don't do well on a schedule. Um, And so I wouldn't worry about their schedule. I would, again, just follow their wake windows, follow their tired cues, put them to sleep when they're tired and not worry too much about it. Now, if you have an older child who maybe does have a loose, flexible schedule, you have to think about your child's temperament. So is your child relatively easygoing and kind of go with the flow and adaptable? Or is your child maybe highly sensitive, uh, maybe a little bit less adaptable to changes and transitions? So if your child is go with the flow, you can follow the first approach and just not really do anything to prepare. And just when the time change happens, let it happen and let your child's um, schedule adjust naturally. Also, If you have a child who is an early riser, this is a really great time for you to maybe adjust their schedule to be a little bit later. So I would also, like if you have a child that wakes at 5.30 most mornings and is going to bed at like 6 o'clock at night or even, you know, 6.15 or 6.30 at night, this is a great opportunity to just leave the schedule as is, let their body kind of do what it does naturally and just push their schedule an hour later once the time change occurs. So your child who um, was waking at 5.30, the morning of the time change will now be waking at 6.30 and you can then adjust the schedule an hour later. So you kind of don't have to really do anything either. Now, if your child is very sensitive, maybe not so easy to adapt, then you might want to consider gradually shifting the schedule a bit each day by like 15 minutes. And so what this would look like 
is say you have a child who typically wakes at around 7 a.m. and goes to sleep in the evening at around 7 a.m. If you did nothing, when the time change happened, this child's schedule would now look like more like they're waking at 8 a.m. and they're going to sleep at around 8 p.m. If you don't want that and you think that your child might have a hard time with that transition anyways, then you may want to every day kind of make their schedule a little bit earlier by 15 minutes. So if you have a child who wakes at 7 a.m., again, same example, the first day of making this change, and you'll want to start maybe four to four, five, six, seven days, somewhere in there before the time change. So this is your time to start doing that um, because the time change is next week. So what you would do is the first morning, you would wake your child up at, say, 6.45 and then adjust their schedule earlier by 15 minutes for the rest of that day. And so bedtime is now at 6.45 too. You can either hold that schedule for another day, depending on how slowly and gradually you feel like your child needs to move and make these transitions, or the next day you can then shift it again 15 minutes earlier. So now your child's waking at 6.30 and going to sleep at 6.30 in the evening. The next day, 6.15, going to bed at 6.15 in the evening. And then finally, the, the final day that you'll do this, they your child will be waking at around 6 and then going to sleep at 6 p.m. in the evening. Now, when the schedule changes, when the time goes forward, your child will then hopefully wake up at 7 a.m., which is their normal time. And then their schedule will be just like it was before the time change. So that's an approach that you can use if you feel like your child is going to need a little bit more support or have a more difficult time adjusting to a more abrupt time change. Most kiddos are going to do just fine with this time change without parents having to do anything to prepare them at all. You just want to remember that if your child woke at 8, 8 a.m. the morning of the time change, they're used to waking at 7 and they woke at 8 a.m., you might not be able to expect that they're going to go to bed at 7 p.m. depending on how, how often they're napping and, and all of that. So you might just have to adjust the schedule forward a little bit. Um, and for a lot of parents, they find that that actually works really well. I work with a lot of families who have kind of a winter schedule and a summer schedule um, or a cold weather schedule and warm weather schedule because the sun is going um, down later when in those warmer months, in the spring and summer months. And so it just makes more sense for everybody, for child the child's bedtime to be a little bit later versus in the winter when the sun is going down so early, it makes more sense to have an earlier rise and an earlier bedtime. And so I find a lot of families really appreciate that rhythm of um, kind of changing the schedule a little bit to match the seasons. And so that might be something that works for your family. A few things to keep in mind and just to make this transition a little bit easier, lots of light, light, light in the morning. I was going to say, I was trying to say bright light. Um, lots of bright natural light in the morning and afternoon, early afternoon if possible. This is always going to help your child's circadian rhythm adjust. So if you can, first thing in the morning, opening the windows, hopefully there's amazing sunshine coming in, um, getting outside if you can, if the weather's nice, even if it's not, even if it's you know still pretty chilly where you are, bundling up, getting them, getting your kiddos outside in the morning and in the early afternoon hours, because light is one of the signals that our body gets that helps us to know when we are supposed to be awake for the day and when we are supposed to be going to sleep at night. So bright light in the morning, and when I say bright light, I do mean 
natural light, preferably not artificial light. Um, but artificial light is fine too, but the best thing you can do is natural sunlight. And then remember that now if, if you are keeping your child's bedtime or trying to keep it pretty close to where it was, the sun is now going to be setting later. So this is the time where if you don't already have blackout shades, blackout curtains in your child's room, you may need them because otherwise they might not be ready to go to sleep if they see sunlight streaming into their room still. So this is the time that those blackout shades can be really, really helpful. And at the end of the day, just remember that this is a quick transition and most kids do adjust quite easily within a week or two. It just takes their body some time to adjust. So just give everybody grace, including yourself. Be patient with yourself and your children and know that it will pass and it will get easier. Thank you guys so much. I hope that these tips were helpful. We talked about teething today. We talked about the time change. I'm really hoping that my son is done teething by the time the time change happens. I think he will be, but I'm really hoping that he's done teething because, oh man, I can't imagine going through teething and losing an hour of sleep in the same night. So I'm with you guys. If you're also experiencing tough teething troubles right now. Um, and I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying that teething would get better. It would resolve. Those teeth would pop through before the time change. And then the time change can be an easier transition for everybody. Thanks guys. See you next time. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.